0: Welcome to another edition of the Superflight Podcast, your Bing Crosby and NBA podcast. Don't ask. I don't know. Uh, it is Wednesday, November 23rd, 2016, and I'm your host, as always, Joe Borelli, coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's my best radio voice. How you like it? Anyway, happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Um, welcome. To Thanksgiving week. It's been a pretty uneventful week for me. I've been off on vacation for the most part. And still I find that I have no time to get this stupid podcast done. Um, But I hope you're listening and I hope you're enjoying and I hope you guys all have great, wonderful things planned for the upcoming holiday or the holiday tomorrow. I thought I would do this for you today so you have something to escape the family with tomorrow when you're trying not to talk about politics and religion and all things nice. Um, But let me think. I want to tell you in the spirit of Thanksgiving and in the spirit of trying to remain positive and stay upbeat, I want to talk about a few things that I'm thankful for. First and foremost, I am thankful for you guys as many of you that listen in as many countries as you are and as much feedback and positive things you've said and given, I thank you so much. I wouldn't be doing this without you guys. Um, you know, it's, this is a free podcast. I do it for free and you listen for free. And, and the only way we can keep going is if you give me the motivation to succeed and keep going. Um, and you do. So I thank you for that. So thank you guys and gals. Um, Yeah, I hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoy doing it. I'm sorry if the quality is not always up to snuff or the quantity of podcasts are not always there, but I do my best. I do, you know, like most people I think that do podcasts, I have a full-time job. I'm not sponsored here, and so this is just, again, a labor of love. So to all you out there in the podcast land, thanks for being with me for these last couple months. And feel free to tweet at me, and I'll tweet at you. And if you want to get in touch with the show... You know what? Hold on. Let me think. There's there's other things that I want to be thankful for. What am I thankful for? Um number 2 on the list. I'm thankful to have a wonderful wife who's in the other room cooking dinner right now for just the two of us for Thanksgiving cuz we've already gone to see her family in Rhode Island and now we're just going to spend time at home in Brooklyn together eating turkey and stuffing, which I'm going to make. I'm going to make the stuffing. She's going to make the turkey. Um I'm thankful for glasses of whiskey that I have sitting in front of me. Just one. I'm only, you know, it's just a, a nightcap maybe or a pre-evening cap, whatever. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have a wonderful mayor of New York who's who's doing wonderful things for people. I'm thankful for outreach programs for people and f- to do homeless shelter things for, for Thanksgiving, for people in New York and Philadelphia. Um, I've donated to a soup kitchen, I guess, in Philly. Cause I always feel like it goes further in my hometown or just because I feel like New York has such an abundance of, of caregivers here naturally that want to take care of each other and, and donate to do good things. And I encourage everyone to do that. But I also feel like I, I feel like it goes a little bit further in Philadelphia. Um, and I'm not around to witness it and but I did donate a little bit of money to a soup kitchen and I advise or not advise but I hope that you guys uh have a good thanksgiving and feel you know like you'd like to share the wealth or you know help people succeed in their everyday lives by donating to whatever charity or whatever you feel is you know reasonable and and good uh you don't have to of course i mean Obviously, you can just do what you do. But um, one more thing I'm thankful for is my next guest, Damon Rangula, who you guys heard a couple of weeks ago, probably a month ago, right before the season started. We talked about the Lakers, and he's back to talk about big men around the NBA and about the Lakers' hot start again. So if you want to reach out and get in touch with the show, you can do it by uh, tweeting me at Pod or tweeting me personally at Joe Borelli. Um, You can email the show at the superflightpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and everything else that you listen to it on. Please review and rate the show and leave comments and all that good stuff so that other people can find the show. So happy Thanksgiving, guys, and I'll be right back. (laughs) What? Hello. Hello there, my friend. How are you? Hey.
1: How you okay. doing? Can you see me? <clears throat> I
0: cannot. That's weird. I just see your initials. Oh, weird. Let me see if I can get to this thing. Hold on. Can you see me now? Nope. All right. Well, I guess it's just audio then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no problem. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Do I sound okay? Yeah, you sound fine. We're recording, okay. just so you know. So I can cut all of this out if we want to, or we could just let it roll. Oh. No, no. So I just wanted
1: to apologize to your listeners. Uh, I uh, I'd left my mic at home, so I'm just using the standard headphone thing that comes with my phone. So if the audio quality is a little bit lower, uh, it's not Joe's fault. It's mine.
0: That's right. Blame yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird that you can't see me. It's, that's unfortunate. But I can see you, so I have you Great. at a disadvantage you're looking you're looking good my friend you're looking fine uh,
1: thank you I assume you are as well
0: yeah well you know I always do <laughs> i guess right <laughs> so do you want to talk some nBA
1: oh nothing more
0: all right cool before we get started let's uh let's do the rundown tell people where they can find you and how to get in touch etc
1: easiest way uh twitter at d a m a n r uh just uh, i usually if i write anything um I tweeted out there. Uh I most likely am writing for Silver Screen and Roll. Um I've I've scaled down a little bit of writing on my own website, falsehypothesis.com. So uh, just in general, if you follow me on Twitter, uh I healthy healthily plug my stuff.
0: Good deal. <laughs> okay, cool. So we were um we were chatting back and forth, I guess, via Twitter and email. And yes. uh I asked you if you wanted to go run the league a little bit, and then I suddenly got stuck on like this whole big men trend that's been happening with, with big guys shooting the three point shot. Uh, and so I figured, let's talk about that for a bit. I think it's so fascinating.
1: I, I it, in the way it's happened, I always thought it was going to be a little bit gradual, but it feels like it's just it, there, there's this green light that's been given to key guys, and they're taking full advantage of it.
0: Oh, for sure. So wait, are you saying that you saw this coming? You thought the big men would start shooting the three?
1: No, I thought, I thought that there would be specialists, you know, guys who kind of came into the league where we assumed, okay, this, these, you know, these guys have a three-point range. Like, I think, you know, somebody like Carl Anthony Towns, they were talking about that right, coming up to the draft, but I didn't anticipate the kinds of players that have incorporated it and, 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 I, and are shooting it regularly
0: yeah so we were talking about for instance Marcus Hall and Brook yeah. Lopez are the, I guess the two big names that stand right now because these are guys who are traditionally back to the basket sort of low post players and all of a sudden this year like you said they've been given the green light and they're shooting threes and not only are they shooting them they're hitting them which is unbelievable to me I mean Brooke Lopez it didn't seem like that big of a transition because we knew he could step out and hit from like 20 feet away but Going to the three point line, it's kind of incredible. Like he's not missing a beat. And I guess and, Gasol had a nice jump shot too. Um, but yeah, it just you don't think of these guys as that type of player. Go ahead. For for as flat footed as Marc Gasol is, he can do everything.
1: Like everything. And coming into the draft, he was you know uh, he was part of that infamous Lakers deal for uh, Pau Gasol, and he was a throw in. And look at him now. I mean, he he, he literally. There's nothing on the basketball court that I don't think he can do. And it's so fascinating. And he's, like you're saying, it's not that, you know, uh, we, we we saw some big men take three-point shots in desperation, right? It's like two seconds left, right. and the shot clock's running down, and, and a center's open, so he'll knock him down occasionally. This is like a part of their offense.
0: yeah. And it's, you know, stretching the floor for them in a way where, especially for the Grizzlies, they've never really had this. Their whole, their Achilles heel has always been shooting. They've had no shooters on the floor, you know. And if you're able to, to spread the floor with your center, that's huge for them. And it looks it's, like it's really working out really well in their favor. It just opens up so much.
1: It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you can have your big man trailing on a on a fast break and then just hitting a, a wide open three from there, it's it's insane. I mean, it's obviously the way the league is going. Um, you know, with with Steph Curry and the Splash Brothers knocking down so many threes, and like, you know, the way the league has gone towards trending towards threes because, as everyone knows, that three point shot is worth more than two. And even if you make them <laughs> at, at, at even if you make them at half the rate, you're still you're still making off, you know, you're making out better by shooting the three. It's,
1: it's, it's just a threat. It's mm-hmm. the, the fact that it's a threat that, you know, you have to think about it. Uh, it, it, it changes everything in that, uh, I guess one of the more famous shots this season has been Marcus All's shot to beat the Clippers. And, you know, DeAndre Jordan said, look, I, I helped, I shouldn't have helped. I should have stayed with Marcus on in the corner. But you're, you're asking your center now to be thinking about protecting the rim. Also now, he's thinking about guarding his own man, not off a switch. His actual man is yeah. standing in the corner. How do you handle that? And I, I don't blame DeAndre Jordan for... You know, sagging off Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen made him pay. It's it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's incredible, and it really speaks to the need for two way players at the at the post position now. Like guys yeah. like New Orleans Noel, even though he can't hit a shot to save his life, becomes <laughs> really valuable on the defensive end where he can cover everyone on the floor. And right. having him be able to, you know, his athleticism and being able to step out and cover guys in the perimeter, that becomes hugely hugely important for you now. Like Karl Anthony Towns, for instance, like basically. He's a he's a, a a small forward in a in a center's body, like he's an anomaly. He is unbelievable. He is unbelievable. Incredible. I, you know,
1: I think I think the key is, and it's not just that these guys are shooting threes because Andrea Barniani could hit threes as a big man, right? right? It's not just that; it's the fact that these guys can also create off the dribble, and I think that's the next level. That is what kind of this big man uh, shooting threes. It's the fact that they are a threat off the dribble. They can also score inside. They can also do this because if they're just a three-point shooting kind of center, that also is not going to get you that far. That's a, that's a nice to have. Mm-hmm. But what makes them a true weapon is the fact that, you know, I'm going back to Marcus hall or Brook Lopez. If those guys get you off the dribble and post you up, you're also toast. So you right. have to respect everything. If you just let Marcus hall shoot threes all the time, and he doesn't challenge you anywhere else he actually is not he it's it's nice that he is a three point shot but he's not that next level weapon that he's become because he can do anything
0: inside too he has range from three point all the way to the basket and don't forget that he's an incredible defender too he's, right? he's so like your center is really becoming and this is what I was thinking about, you know, talking about, about the resurgence of the, of the center, the NBA center. But these guys are resurging sort of, they're bringing life back to this position in a way that's never been done before. They're complete, complete players. They're able to hit everyone on the floor. They can work with the ball in their hands and they defend the rim. And it's, it's just an incredible thing to watch, um, which is nice because like it's, it's for the last several years has been a point guard league but now right. you're seeing guys that are like this size doing essentially the same things as a point guard. A lot of them can really pass out of, you know, they can pass as well. Um, it's it's It goes in waves, right? It goes in cycles.
1: And it's fascinating when we, you know, when we start talking about the death of the center. Well, the center is just as important as they have been. It took, yeah, there was a transition. But right. you look at a decision like when the NBA removed the center designation from all-star rosters. Now that looks a little off. A little silly, and it's because, right, and and I, I think it's just overreacting to a, a trend in the short term. It rarely works out because you look at it when when the Warriors put their team together, and even going back when the Heat put their team together, everybody started freaking out like, oh, we need to just we need to change the CBA, we need to do this, we need to do that. We cannot overreact to any kind of present kind of you know shift, and I think. For centers now, they're reminding us like, hey, it's still beneficial to be seven feet tall or 6'11". And the fact that they've adjusted to the modern game, yeah, it took them a little while because it's a completely new skill set. But now you have this next generation of centers who can do it all. And now they're all of a sudden, now we have too many point guards, so there's a gluttony of point guards. Now again, the most valuable player is that playmaking kind of scoring center again.
0: Yeah. It's funny when you talk about overreacting, like... Doing things in an overreactive way, like, yeah, we should never knee, have a knee-jerk reaction, especially the NBA. Like they should be more more even killed about these sort of things. But yeah, it was a it was a reaction to the fact that like centers had sort of gone out and it was just a guard dominant league. I mean it's right. you know, you can see examples of like knee-jerk reactions going bad all over the place. For instance, um people reacting to somebody's emails and electing a moron for president. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> This is neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> 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 let's talk about, sorry, I had to. I got to get my digs in where I can, man. <laughs> nah, I don't blame you. Let's stay away from politics. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, there's some other uh, big guys. In the, like, let's talk about um, the unicorn, Porzingis. I mean, he's not, right. a, he's not a center. He's more of a power he forward. But he, he should, should be a, a center. center. Right. Yeah. He stretches the floor. He really works well with the ball in his hands. He can pass and he can defend and he blocks the shit out of people's shots. Yeah. This, this... And, and
1: I think I think that and and the the exciting thing about somebody like Porzingis is he came in the league
0: with that. Yeah, I know it's crazy. He's he's yeah. Well, the same thing with Carl Anthony Towns. He also right? came in the league. You know who else came in the league as a three point shooter and is actually as a as of right now I think leading the <laughs> league in three point three point completion.
1: Joel Embiid oh man i i it, it has been so much fun to watch him beat it has been amazing thank you friend thank you <laughs> I, it, it, it really it's 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 one of those things where you just saw him the first game and you're like oh my god what is this this yeah. is so amazing his personality it's it's like we've only unfortunately due to his injuries we've only been able to kind of absorb his personality through twitter and all this and right. he's hilarious but that energy that kind of that he he's just on another playing field it really shows itself on the court he's just he's in his he he does what he, he's he like i i am forgetting the term but it's like he beats to the he he dances he's to the his own whatever drummer. he dances right. to
0: his own beat beat of a different drummer or something like that yeah
1: right, exactly and and you see that on the court he's not he's a all the rules about playing that position all the rules about how he should play all out the window with this guy he just has a feel for it and what's scary is he's only played the he's only played basketball for like a, a really short amount of time relative to other players at this stage and hasn't uh, played
0: in the last two years right yeah.
1: it, it's it, I the amount of rust that I was expecting I was expecting for him to play 10 15 minutes a game for like you know 60 games and just be kind of all over the
0: place showing glimpses. But no, game one. This game guy one. was ready to go. And you know what really impressed me about him too was like I'm I'm totally on board with everything you're saying. I am totally so blown away by his his court presence, his ability to pick things up so quickly. I he's better than I expected. But the thing that really stood out to me from day one, he was holding his his own guys accountable. Like when they were not rotating, he's got the ball in his hands and nobody's moving. They're just watching him with the ball and not doing a single thing to help out off the ball and he you know like he was fouled or or turned the ball over and, so, and he immediately went to his guys and like lit them up verbally he's like what are you doing you right. have to help me out he's held holding everyone accountable that's like a maturity for a 22 year old that's playing he's only played 9 games now in the NBA that is incredible he really is he's like Hakeem with his with a three point shot right it's no, and, insane and it's it's kind
1: of what you mentioned I, I I've been kicking around an idea where I'm I, I've kinda of wanna advocate for a redshirt program for professionals because what Embiid was able to do with stepping away from the game and not being able to play, well what do you do? You you, you sit in practices or you, you watch film and you're just absorbing the game, stepped away from it. When you're a young player and come right into it, I don't know how much time or how much there's just so much being thrown at you thrown at you where it takes, you know, a half a season or a full season for the right. game to slow down until you can start seeing the big picture. Well, what has Embiid been doing? He's this is all he's been able to yeah. do.
0: <laughs> yeah, for the last two years, he's been sitting on the bench and just absorbing, which right. is sort of good. But you could also make the case that, like, that's why you want guys to stay in college a little bit longer. You know, give yeah. them another year. They learn you so know- much. The
1: problem is the college game is just going further and further and further away right. from where the NBA is going. And that's where the potential of a D-League becoming a real competitor to college is very interesting because yeah. the D-League is more of a professional system. You're in the NBA system then, and that becomes interesting. I, I'm very biased against college basketball. I really can't watch it. And I was when I was younger, I was able to watch it. It's just too far now. It's a different sport to me. It's... it's it, I would rather watch, you know, I name two bad teams: the the um, Orlando Magic, yeah. Orlando Magic, and, and the Nets. you know, <laughs> and the Nets. Right. I'd rather watch that than you know, and this is extreme, but like a Sweet Sixteen
0: matchup. Really, even more than yeah. she's, the Sweet Sixteen. The Sweet Sixteen is the only. I get I get involved with March Madness, but that's about it. And yeah, I agree. The, the game yeah, is. For, go yeah, ahead. For, I,
1: I watch. I watch the. You know, opening two days where the craziness happens, and I watch the championship game. That's it.
0: Yeah, I that's good. That's fair. Yeah, I, I feel something like something is so disingenuous about that whole sports and college thing. It it kind of makes so, me angry. And I, let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, anyway, we were talking about like so. This I think this is not just a trend. I think this is going to be the new norm. You know, I think that like as we saw Porzingis and Joel Embiid and coming in, and Carl Anthony Towns coming into the league, being able to defend and dribble. And pass and shoot from everywhere on the court. I think this is going to become the new norm. I think guys are, I think scouts and, and coaches are looking for this exact thing. And at this point, you have three really young guys who are just coming in the league and they're going to be doing this. Hopefully, they all stay healthy and for years to come. So, for the next decade, you're going to see, I think, the, the ability to be able to stretch the four as a seven foot player becomes so, so important. Um, what, are, what are your I- thoughts?
1: I completely agree. I think, you know, a big part of this is when you're a young player and you're, you know, in junior high or something like that, what are you doing? You're you're emulating your idols, right? And I think a whole generation of people, uh, of kids grew up, you know, maybe early on watching Kareem. So they were a post, uh, you know, post-heavy player. But mm-hmm. then you started watching Michael Jordan and you started watching guys like him. And now if you're growing up, you're watching LeBron James and you're watching, Steph you know. Steph Curry. Steph Curry, right? So I think you start emulating them and at a young age, you know, and like Anthony Davis started off as a point guard. So that's why he has those skills. Right. And I think so, there's obviously, you know, like we talked about the trend, it could go back at some point, but right now, at least for the foreseeable future, completely agree. It's going to be, you know, developing ball handling skills. Why would a swim footer need ball handling skills? Well, because like I mentioned, you need with the three point shot, you also need the threat of beating somebody off the dribble. You become more of a complete player. And all of a sudden, like we've been saying you, the center is back to being one of the most important positions again.
0: And I love it. Um, you know, and, yeah. and to go to your point too, about the D league, I think with the new con, the, uh, the new CBA coming up, they're going to make the D league really much more important. And I've been talking about this for years. Why aren't they using the D league as like a farm system, you know, instead of college, a lot of guys don't, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the um, Ben Simmons documentary, I haven't because I don't get Showtime, but <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen it yet. I've heard that you know, like he talks trash about being in college. Like he didn't want to, go, he didn't give a shit about going to college, and that's like you know, I I am totally a proponent of kids going to college, but for the sake of education, not necessarily for the sake of a sports scholarship. But anyway, listen, so, they can go back. Yeah, that's, that's true, I, and that, they can that, always that's go back. Where I don't,
1: that's what I don't understand. Where it's like the uh, a prime of a professional career i'm sure like physically speaking they 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 can play in the leagues they can obviously it takes time to develop and all that Mm -hmm. they only have 10 years or you know for if you're a freak 15 years right and then after that they can go to college they can get three phds if they want like they they have all the time in the world at that point nobody's stopping them
0: and they're much more mature they'll be able to bring a a more well-rounded mind to their you know their studies Uh, we're, we're getting off (laughs) this path really quicker, but (laughs) (laughs) so my question is to you, who else would you like to see in the NBA develop a three-point shot? What other big men would you like to see have a consistent three-point game?
1: I have one big one because I think that, uh, let's
0: see if it lines up with mine. Go ahead. I want to hear it. I think if
1: Blake Griffin got a three-point shot, if you look at how good the Clippers are right now. They have an artificial ceiling because at the end of games, when you're in the playoffs, you're in a playoff series, And if you really want to be a championship contender, it should not be as easy as it is to guard that team. Because right. that team has Blake Griffin is a top, you know, whatever talent. Yeah. Chris Paul is a top, whatever. You know, they're so good. Yet, in end of game situations, down the stretch against a good team, they're gonna make you. They're gonna force Blake Griffin to shoot that shot, or they're gonna take DeAndre Jordan out because of his free throw troubles. Right. And if Blake Griffin had a three point shot, or if, even if it was consistent enough from like 20 feet or whatever, like from inside, that team beats the Warriors. Not better than the. Not they can beat the Warriors. They beat the Warriors. You think so? And that's a huge. Absolutely, because I'm talking about this here because. They've had the longevity. Why are they coming out of the gate so hot? Because they're one of the teams. right, they, right familiarity, and they're they are playing better, right? They are playing better. Sure. If you if you have, I just I I've I've watched Sony Clippers games being in LA, and I I just I see it, and and there are teams, and we're going to talk about a, a team later where I just I, I look at ceilings of teams, and I'm like, okay, you have built a great team. What is the ceiling of this team? You right. never want and and and. You never want your ceiling to be artificially limited. And I think Blake's inability to shoot even a consistent mid-range jumper is still in question. And if you stretch that out to the three-point line, now you have a real weapon. Now there's no question about if DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin can play together because if we have another thing where it's second round uh, and or or if they make the conference finals this year, you can't be that easy to guard when mm-hmm. it comes down to it. You just can't. And when Blake got hurt last year, the Clippers were better on offense because they their space opened up. They had, right. a stretch they had to stretch the
0: No, right. Well, and I have to, you know, I was I was with you there. You know, Blake Griffin was definitely on the top of my list. He was one of them. It's like, man, if he could, he can hit the three, but not consistently. No, and it has that, to be a threat, like a real threat. Right, and if you know the thing is, if if DeAndre Jordan could shoot it all, and you could step him away from the rim a little bit, it would help. But right. he can't. So he's he's a one dimensional offensive player. I mean, he he. He dunks a lob like nobody's business, but, and he's really good on defense. Um, But, yeah, you need that guy. If Blake Griffin could add a consistent three-point game, that would be incredible. They would be nearly unstoppable. Also, for me, Anthony Davis, surprisingly enough, only shoots 23% from three. That guy can hit from almost everywhere on the floor except for three-point range. He doesn't take many either. I think he's averaging like two a game. And he still scores like a madman. He's averaging, what, almost 30 points a game right now? Something, I'll have yeah. to look it up. Yeah, no, he, he that was,
1: that was uh, a good one that I had too. The only thing I'll say about him, Man, he has been surrounded with really, really terrible bad players. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: really bad. But you so, notice since Drew Holiday came back, the team looks like an incredible. It looks like a completely different team. They they demolished yeah. the Hawks last night. I don't know if you got to watch any of that game.
1: Yes, I did. That was impressive. And he was so, out.
0: I, he only played for yeah. nine minutes, I think.
1: No, it, Drew, Drew definitely adds a lot. And yeah, you have somebody. If you if they get consistent, just like unfortunately with that team. And, and look, Anthony Davis hasn't been healthy either. I don't think he's played right. seventy games at any point in his career yet. I think his average is 65 games uh, uh, played a year.
0: Yeah, I'm well aware. He keeps killing my fantasy team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. So, and 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 so he he. There's no question he has the skill. There's no question that he would benefit off it. I just I look at that team and I'm like, nobody would leave him enough space because even if he's at the three-point line. I'll double you. Who are you getting? Who, who, who's beating me? Right. And that's been their problem. And that's why it's really sad uh, to watch. Uh, and Anthony Davis is locked in, so he's not going, he's not going anywhere anytime soon.
0: <laughs> there, was a, there was several podcasts that came out in a row about what superstar do you feel is trapped on their team. And he was obviously way up on the list of everybody's. Right. They're like, oh, poor Anthony Davis. He's, well, you know what? He's still young. They still got time. To, I mean, I think he's 23. They still can put some guys around him. It'll be fine. Um, I have one more spoken, for you spoken
1: like a spoken like a true sixers
0: <laughs> totally I have one more for you this one popped out I was like you know if we could add a three-point shot to one guy and his ability to stretch the court would make such a difference it's got to be Stephen Adams right if that dude could shoot yeah. a three he would take so much pressure off of Westbrook they would be winning more than they are right now and and given how little three-point
1: shooting that team has, that would yeah. that would definitely be huge. It would be gigantic. That boy would that be would like, up. And that would open up – that actually brings up like an interesting thing where if you run like uh, a pick-and-pop for Steven Adams, now you open up the lane, a driving lane for Russell Westbrook, yep. and if you clog the lane, well, then he'll just kick it out to Steven Adams. Oh, man, that would be really fun. It would
0: be so much fun, right? Man, Steven Adams yeah. would be like a surefire uh, all-star. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. He's 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 already got so much athletic ability. His defense is really good. He's great around the rim and he can shoot a little bit, but if you could add a three-point game to his, three-point shot to his game, it would be ridiculous. He would easily easily be one of my favorite players in the league. Um completely agree. Yeah. Are, are, you know your your whole work environment is kind of distracting me. Are you in a dressing room?
1: <laughs> no, no no, sorry. I, I work in like a garments place, so oh, okay. I have stuff flying hence, around. Hence yeah, the sorry. garments behind you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> i'm tr- I'm That's not right. gonna get you fired here am i
1: no 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 no
0: all right cool good. so this is take a friend to work day i guess huh yes <laughs> <laughs> cool Anyway, speaking of big man you want to talk about one big man who's actually had a a personal resurgence this year and i think he's like one of I, i'm not sure about yours but he's definitely one of my least favorite players in the league uh dwight howard <laughs> yeah i uh
1: i uh i'm a lakers fan i despise yeah. dwight howard yeah. uh it 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 you know the, the the thing is, is he has said when he left Orlando that he's going to get a fresh start in L.A. When he left L.A., he said, I'm going to get a fresh start in Houston. And when he left Houston, he said he was going to get a fresh start in Atlanta. Hmm. Um, one thing that's undeniable and it's painful to say is that when he's engaged and when he's bought in, he is a really, really, really good player. And he probably, you know... Deserved more MVP consideration for his work in Orlando. Um, and he's really playing well in Atlanta.
0: Yeah. He, I was watching him a bit last night and you know, I think he's 31 now, which I think, if, I think everyone feels like he's an old 31. Cause he came in so young. It seems like he's been in the league for years and years. Cause I guess he has. Um, but he's still really dynamic. I mean, he, the guy can still leap out of the building. He, he put down an alley-oop. Um, last night that I just did not see coming. I was like, oh my God, he can still do that. He can still defend and he can still block shots. You know, he still has very limited uh, offensive game, but man, he's still a super athletic talent and he's really good on the defensive end. But I was thinking this too, just like basically how you just mentioned, he went for a fresh start in LA. He went for a fresh start in Houston and both of those places, well, not LA. LA was kind of doomed from the start. But in yeah. Houston, the first year, he was he was fine. Everything was working out great. They were winning, and he was happy. Right. And I couldn't stop thinking last night that, like, oh, Dwight Howard, everybody loves him right now. He's, you know, because they're winning. Next season, if they have the same team and they're not winning, it's going to be the same thing all over again. And this is... That's the, who he is. It's that's exactly that's who, who he is. Been. And he that's becomes... It's, yeah, and it's it becomes a distraction. It becomes a detriment to his team. You can... His... His plus side on the defensive end on the court gets taken immediately away by, by his, his distraction to the team, by his griping and his not being happy because he's not winning. He just wants – he wants to win, but he doesn't know how to go about doing it the right way, and that's why I don't like him. I mean, not personally. And, I don't and, know. Him, and but. look, look, and, and it's, it, it's, it's on him to get
1: out of, you know, this this shack Charles Barkley criticism of him not posting up enough not demanding the ball enough and I do think you know he buys into that stuff because if he just decided you know this was a, 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 a quote that was bandied about when uh, Kobe Bryant and Dwight Howard met after the season to say hey you know I, if uh, Kobe was trying to say hey you should stay long term and his what he told uh, Dwight Howard was hey you be like Tyson Chandler and Dwight Howard was very offended by that. But the truth is is if Dwight Howard, which is a lot of what he's doing in Atlanta, plays like Tyson Chandler, he can be much better than Tyson Chandler. That's a very good basketball player. Oh yeah. The thing is he he has this still he has this thing in his head like I want to be a traditional big man. I want to be like Shaq and I want to post up and I want to be dominant in the post and I am dominant in the post. The problem is is he's not honest with himself. And it's not that he's not good in the post. It's that the post game isn't as important anymore, and he needs to adjust that. Right. And I think he temporarily buys in, especially like you know the fresh start, fresh start, fresh start thing. It's, it's on him to say at this stage in his career, hey, things are going well. Let's just keep this going. And it, it just it's this inner thing that kind of burbles up sometimes that gets him into trouble.
0: For sure. I mean, listen, we all get unhappy at our jobs at some point in our lives. I mean, I'm constantly miserable at mine, you know, (laughs) I shouldn't say that too loud. What's that?
1: I'm doing a podcast at mine.
0: Yeah, you have the best job. (laughs) I want I want your job. My job is way more stress. Uh, (laughs) There's no way I could ever do a podcast at my job. Um, But that's cool. Good for you, buddy. Good for you. things to be thankful for. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so like I can understand, like, you know, I can understand his dissatisfaction with his teams when he feels like, when he feels like he's the best player on the floor and things just are not happening and he's not winning. I get that. But at some point you need to take ownership of what you're doing and your actions and how you're handling yourself on the court and how you can make teammates better. And that's just the, the part that he never exceeds at, you know, he, he, he never excels at. It. He never. He never really understands it. Like you have to look in you first, and then yeah. that's the best way to make other people around you better. Uh, I he, think
1: Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's done some smart stuff. Like they. They. They made it. You know. They made him feel like, oh, you're. You're the star on the team, and, and he's announced last and things like that. And yeah. it, it's. You know, those things sound silly, but for a guy like Dwight, who kind of needs that ego massage, yeah. I think they've they've really handled it well, and I think, um. After Stan Van Gundy, uh, Coach Bud is probably the coach with the most stature that he's been coached by. Uh, And I think that that helps. That helps a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure. Also, you know, I think the system that Bud runs is is very friendly for Dwight. Like they pass the ball around. They move around a lot and they put him in good positions to get the ball and dunk, you know. Right.